Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Enough of me. Keith is going to come and speak to us. Let's give him a round of applause. Pray for you, Keith. Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given Keith to bring to us this morning. We pray your anointing on him right now, that we would hear from you this morning, Lord. Thank you that you've already spoken to us. And I pray as Keith comes, it would just be a continuation of you speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that working? Fantastic. Good. Right. So my question again, who likes being in control? Um, Well, obviously... (laughs) Just looking at my wife over there. She knows that one of the answers is me. Um, I like being in control. Um, I um, like to know what's happening to me. I like to know what's, what's coming up next. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Just an example um, about me. As, as a teacher, um, we have six weeks summer holiday, which is fantastic. Um, and it's great. But for someone who likes to know what's happening, uh, it can be a bit daunting. In fact... Our culture says, take control, doesn't it? It says, take control of your life. It says, um, be, be in control of your own destiny. Um, throughout um, popular culture, it says that. I mean, way before my time, <laughs> Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. Um, the famous um, Invictus poem that you might have heard of, while an inspiring poem, it ends um, really by just exemplifying an attitude of, fierce independence it says the last couple of lines I am the master of my fate I am the captain of my soul and what I want to say to you today really is, is no we're not made to be in control um, the Bible shows again and again that God is in control and that's the way it should be um, and there's freedom that comes <laughs> I don't need to use that okay um, that better? <laughs> we'll see. Um, there's such freedom that comes when we recognise that, that God's in control, that we're not, and, and don't fight against that. So I'm not saying that we should deliberately lead a life of chaos, but recognise that our goal shouldn't be to be in control of everything. Because um, otherwise, when we're forced to recognise and to live up to realise that we're not in control, then it just leads to us a sense of failure and constant anxiety. Um, I've been reading some of this book um, by Max Licardo, which I'd recommend. It's called Anxious for Nothing. Um, and the thing it says in there is that anxiety is often the consequence of perceived chaos. If we sense we're the victims of unseen, turbulent, random forces, we're troubled. Praise God that we're not at the expense of turbulent, random forces. God is in control of our lives. And I think we know that, but sometimes we need to adjust our thinking to, to match up with that belief. And that's part of what I want to speak about this morning. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about my journey, how God's been to me and leading me on this journey over the last um, few months. Obviously, um, our whole world events recently has just shown us again and again that we're not in control. Okay, we can't control 
no one knew what was going to happen. We couldn't control that. Um, one thing that's been happening with us is we've been trying to, to move house. Um, so something we thought about for a while, um, wanted to be closer to, to you, our church family here, and also closer to Bakewell where I work and Caleb and Emily go to school. Um, and we just really felt at the end of July of the summer, God really speak to us and say, yeah, go for it. The time's now and, and to go for it. And so we um, got a house on the market remarkably quickly for, particularly for someone like me who doesn't like change, um, we just went for it. Um, we got the house on the market. Um, that was actually literally just as we went away um, to visit family in Germany. Um, and in my optimism, naivety, you might say, um, I thought, well, we're away for just over a week. Um, my parents will do some viewings on our house while we're away. Uh, by the time we come back, the house will be sold. Um, our neighbours had said the houses along here always go really, really quickly. In fact, we'd bought it on the day after it went on the market when we bought it. Um, but suffice to say, again, it didn't happen. And now, nearly three months later, we've still not sold our house. And that's, that's not been easy. And again, it's again and again, I've had to come to God and say, God, I can't control this. I can't make it happen. You're in control. And so I'll come back to that a little bit later on, but just that's been a real example I've been living with about not being in control. Um, so what does God say? Well, he says, trust me. He says, put your hope in me. He says, I love faith. I love, he loves our faith. Um, he wants us to come to him. I mean, we've heard this morning about coming to him, being held by him, as Paul shared, and, and Marianne as well, about um, just coming to him and bringing ourselves to him and just leaning and relying on him. Again, in the book I, I was reading and mentioned earlier, it says, Other than, rather than us trying to be in here, the Bible has a better idea. Rather than seeking total control, relinquish it. You can't run the world, but you can entrust it to God. So I just want to talk about um, some verses um, from Philippians. Oops, I'll leave that. Um, very familiar verses. I don't know if they're ready to go on the screen now. Yeah. Um, so Philippians 4, um, verses 4 to 8. Um, so I'm just going to read these and say a little bit about them. Um, they may well be very familiar to you. So it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And they're quite familiar verses. I think we often very much focus on, on the bit about God bringing us peace that transcends all understanding, obviously, because it's a fantastic promise. Um, what I just want to actually focus on at the beginning and end of that passage about what God encourages us to do. Um, so it starts with rejoice in the Lord. So there's a command there, instruction, rejoice in the Lord. And it says, obviously it says it once, and I think 
um, from what I've read, the, the tense is do it constantly, ongoing, rejoice, constantly rejoicing. And then to emphasize that, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. So there's that real encouragement to come to God um, and rejoice. So firstly, I want to focus on who we're rejoicing in. We're rejoicing in... Okay, so I think the first thing we need to do um, is get a proper perspective of God's sovereignty. The fact that he is in charge. Events are completely out of our control, but he is in charge. He rules um, everything. I've been reading a little bit about Daniel um, in the Bible, and just the key thing that comes across throughout the whole of the story of Daniel is that God is in charge of kings and kingdoms. There are kings and kingdoms that raise, raise themselves up, but ultimately, God reigns. He's in charge. He controls um, what happens. Um, and we need to recognize that we have a God who's sovereign, who reigns over all things. Um, he loves us, and he's able to work out any situation for good. So we need to trust him. So that's the God that we come to worship, to rejoice in. Um, so when we come to rejoice in him, um, that, that act of worshipping him means that we lift our eyes off our situation and we look at him. And I think that's what's so powerful about it. As we come to worship God, it doesn't necessarily mean the situation changes, but our perspective massively changes. As we look above um, the situation, we look to God. And I know I've come to realise for myself, um, a little bit of my wife's help, <laughs> she's good at pointing these things out, but that I'm very easily affected by what's in front of me, by what I see in front of me, what's going on in my life, what um, is coming up, what I've got to look forward to, what I'm a bit worried about coming up, very easily affected by that. And I think we all are to some extent. I think some people are a bit better at seeing the bigger picture. But ultimately, um, if recognizing that for myself, it means I need to choose to fill my vision with truth. So rather than just filling my vision with what's happening, but actually choosing to look at the truth, um, choosing to maybe read things that will encourage me, to spend time and speak to people who will um, help me to lift my eyes and encourage me. So at the end of um, that passage, I don't know if you, is it possible to put verse 8 back up um, of the passage, um, it says about fixing our thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely. Let's, let's focus on what is good. Um, we need to live with an attitude of gratitude, a uh, phrase that Kathy often uses in our house. Um, it's, we need to live with that, um, just looking for the good things. I think sometimes it's lifting our eyes, fixing our eyes on those good things, and, and I know for me that helps me then look beyond my immediate situation. Ultimately, um, we choose to look to God, um, and as I said, we choose to worship Him. And there's been times where I've really needed to do that. So again, coming back to the, the story that I mentioned in terms of our, our journey, when we didn't sell while we were on holiday, um, we thought, well, at least we'll sell our house by the end of the school summer holidays, uh, because it's going to be really tough going back into term time, um, coping with, with viewings on our house, etc. Um, five of us 
all going back into schools, having obviously had the strange time um, working from home, etc., over um, the spring. And we didn't know what it was going to be like. And it was strange, and it has been strange, weird, getting used to a new normal, etc., trying to deal with all of that, and then trying to um, get our house ready for, for viewings. It feels like pretty much one every week, and they're always spaced out. So we get it ready. We spent ages getting the house ready. And somehow, a week later, five of us living in the house, it's not quite in the position for another viewing. So again, a lot of hard work going into that. And um, there's been mornings where I've come to God and just felt, God, this is so hard. I can't keep going um, with this and with focusing on, on work and keep, keep going. And a song that's really really spoken to me in that time is a song by Ren Collective. It's called I Choose to Worship. A lot of you may have have heard it. Uh, But I just want to read you some of the lyrics because this is um, really what I've had to declare. Um, It says, I choose to worship. I choose to bow. Though there's pain in the offering, I lay it down. Here in the conflict, when doubt surrounds, though my soul is unraveling, I choose you now. And then it goes on to say, when the enemy says I'm done, I'll lift my praises. When my world comes crashing down, I'll lift my praises high. And there's been um, times where I've just had to to come and do that. And um, I don't always do that straight away. Sometimes have a bit of a grump, first of all, and, and get fed up and get really down. But actually, there's such power in choosing to worship God. And I think that's, that's what we need to do. So we rejoice in the Lord, focusing on who he is. And the third thing I think we need to do is hold on to the promises that God's given us. So, as I said, we really felt God speak to us about moving and the time being now. And so we've needed to hold on to that, that promise. Um, also, um, there's been times where God's come particularly close and just again said, He's with us in it. One of those, um, he really spoke to me through um, Psalm 27. Um, and it's a great psalm anyway. It starts with, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Um, which is a great starting point. But then the last two verses just really I felt God speak into our situation. Um, I think I've got those to go on the screen. Yeah, verse 13 and 14. Um, it says, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And so I just just really felt God was saying personally, wait for the Lord. Wait for him to act. Take courage. Don't give up. Um, He's in it. So we're still obviously trusting him. Um, A second example, again, of something that God's spoken to us in. um, Kathy had this phrase, the nook, when she was praying about looking at houses. The nook, and we looked on Right Move as you do when you're looking at houses, and there's a house actually that came up that came up as the nook, um, and we looked at this house, and me and maybe a little bit of a a lack of faith was um, well, it's too small, too expensive, it's not where we're looking. It was an Eam, nothing against Eam, but it's not where we were looking to move to, um, and so I just ruled it out. Um, Kathy maybe a bit more, a bit more faith. Um, we kept, just kept coming back to it, and she just kept um, praying and just felt that God was, was saying something through it, and that actually um, we got to the point where we were just like, yep, yeah, we just need to be obedient. We just need to go and see this house. We don't know what is in it. 
feels confusing. We don't know what's happening. But we went to see it a couple of weeks ago, and um, there were some interesting coincidences, or um, maybe we should say um, that's God working rather than um, random coincidences. Um, but the first one was, um, it turns out the house is owned by someone that I work with. I don't know her very well, but um, that was just an immediate connection, photos of her around the house, etc. Um, second one was that on the wall in the kitchen, there was a print um, by the Christian artist Hannah Dunnett, um, which um, some of you may have heard of, um, of Psalm 121, which um, talks about where does my help come from. I look to the hills um, my help comes from the Lord. Um, and we not just the fact that that's obviously encouraging anyway, but we literally just bought that print um, to give as a present um, to a friend. And then the third thing was the estate agent showing us round. Turns out in talking to him, his granddaughter goes to school with, em- with Emily, our daughter. Um, so just three things that God put there, which coming away we thought, actually, we still don't feel that's the house for us. But actually, what we did feel was God saying, I know you. I know your situation. I'm personally in it, involved. I love you, and I'm with you in what you're doing. And we just felt such an encouragement from that. Again, still feels a bit of a a confusing thing, but we don't understand. We're not in control. We didn't... um, Yeah, we couldn't make anything happen out of that, but just felt God speaking to us from it. So just in finishing, really, I just want to talk about one final um, character from the Bible, um, Hezekiah, um, who um, was one of the kings of Judah, and he was one of the kings who did right in the eyes of the Lord. When you read through 1 and 2 Kings, it goes on and on about lots of kings who... um, did, the, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you're so grateful when you get to one who did good in the sight of the Lord. And he's, um, partway through his reign, Judah was threatened by Assyria, a mighty, powerful nation with a, a massive army. And the central question throughout the whole of this passage of the Bible is, is where is Hezekiah's trust? Um, is it in God? Or is it in an army? Um, and the king of Assyria taunts Hezekiah through messengers and through a letter. Um, he says, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? And then he follows it up to the people and says, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, Surely the Lord will deliver us. And so he comes and challenges Hezekiah's faith and the people's faith. Where is it? Um, And the response of Hezekiah, I love, it literally says he spreads the letter that he's received before the Lord and prays. And he says, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you who made heaven and earth, incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. So he recognizes who God is, and he worships him. And then he goes on to say, So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. So he trusts in God to save them. And I don't have time to go into the details, but basically, God does exactly that. He 
answers through the prophet Isaiah um, and says about the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it. And then it just goes on in the next verse to say, and that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. So the central message was where was Hezekiah's trust? It was definitely in the Lord, not in the size of his army or his, his battle strategy or anything else. So, in conclusion, really, what um, obviously we need to do, what I'm encouraging us to do is put our trust in God. He will do his things his way and in his timing. As we trust him, it brings us freedom. No longer are we trying to control every detail of our lives. I have really felt far less anxious at work um, since I've learned more to put my trust in God and just recognize that he's in charge. I can't control everything that's going to happen, um, but he is in charge. Um, also, as we rely on God, as we lean on him, it brings us closer to him, and there's real strength from just recognizing that we're weak and that we're not in charge. So, can I urge you in, in finishing, in a year of unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. Um, let's be, let's be faith-filled as we follow the one who is faithful and trust fully the one who is fully trustworthy. This is our response in times of challenge. He's in control and we're not. So let's accept that and completely and humbly rely on him. Um, I've asked in a minute that um, Matthew and Paul to play a, a song. And this is actually, um, by a friend of ours from, from Coventry, um, where we used to live. Um, but as it plays, I'd just like you to res- encourage you to respond in your heart. Whatever your situation is, you may be going through far more challenging things than what I've described in our lives. Um, but we do have a God who's in control. Maybe you've, you've never fully put your trust in God. Um, well, I'd just encourage you, as you listen to this, uh, respond to him and see what he wants to say to you.